Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast with Nicolene Peck. Improving your life, uniting your family, changing the world. Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. I'm Nicolene Peck and I'm joined here with my daughter, Paige Baumert. Hi, Paige. Hello. Well, Paige, today we are going to be talking about mental health. So there are a lot of people struggling with mental health. In fact, sometimes I wonder if this is like one of the biggest things of our era, actually, with how many people are struggling with mental health issues who have loved ones who are struggling with mental health issues and want to know, how do I help them? What do I do? You know, because we don't want to be creating a situation that feels like we're meddling in somebody else's life. But at the same time, we really do care, you know, about what's going on. And Paige, I know that you've talked with multiple people, so have I, who are dealing with this with loved ones and they want to know what it is that they can do. So we're going to be talking about that today. We're going to give some really good practical solutions that I think will help. But before we do that, as is tradition here on the Teaching Self-Government Podcast, we are going to talk about fun family activities. Paige, do you have a fun family activity today that you'd like to share with us? Yes. So one that we used to do is there were times where we would lip dub drama scenes. So super fun. mm -hmm. Like there's, so there'll be like, you can have like four people, like two people in a scene, but they can't say anything. They can only do the acting. (laughs) And then the other people that are part of it, they actually say the words. And so then the people saying the words end up sometimes dictating what's going on in the acting. But it's something completely different sometimes. (laughs) I know, which is so funny. And do you remember when we did like, We did it with gibberish too. So like sometimes the people in the scene, they can't talk, but they can say gibberish. And then the other people, they're like, it's like the, you know, the movies when it's like Chinese words and then somebody Mm -hmm. else is saying, and, and so then they're trying to figure out what it is that that person is trying to say anyway, super fun. I love that. I love doing drama. So our family did a lot of things like that, starting from the time that you were very little, we did Mm -hmm. drama, we would act out nursery rhymes and stories and all kinds of things. And I really do think it helped you guys step out of your comfort zone. Wouldn't you say? Oh, I would say so. And I think it really helped us um, with our role-playing when it came to learning new skills too, because that role-playing is huge. And um, I was just talking to someone recently. They're like, oh, role-playing is so hard for me. I don't know why, but it's just, it's just so hard. I'm like, well, you know, it takes practice, but you also have to allow yourself to be silly, you know, to just Mm -hmm. not be yourself type of thing. Obviously you're still going to, you know, be yourself, but um, being able to do those games helped us understand the value of practicing things. Yeah. And you know what, there are so many people right now who truly have so much anxiety and worry and fear and stress and stuff of new situations or social situations or different things like that, that they actually struggle with being able to just do the basic step out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So the sooner you can start implementing, stepping out of your comfort zone as part of your family culture, the better. I was not going to have children that were afraid of the world. I just decided that's not happening because that holds them back. So from the time you guys were all very little, I put you on stages in front of people because that's what my parents did. My dad did. He was a play director and I'm so grateful he did. Not that I never have had butterflies in my life. On the contrary, I've had them probably more times than many people have had (laughs) because I'm always, you know, oh, this dance and this song and this play and this, you know always doing something. 
So when you guys were in church and you had to give little teeny church talks in front of your little Sunday school class and stuff, cause they would ask you to do that. And you would look at me like, help me, help me tell me the exact words to say. And I would say, no, you could do this. And so I would help you prepare so that you were definitely prepared. But then I would say, you can do it. Just say it, say what's on your paper. And you guys would have to pluck up the courage in front of the people and do it. And it wasn't too long before you decided this is okay. I like this, Mm -hmm. you know, and, but a few of you, and we're going to say London, uh, especially London (laughs) Porter a little bit, but especially London, um, struggled and, and felt like, ah, I do not like this, you know, but that could be due to the fact that she had dyslexia. So yeah, it was actually even more than that because she'd had it memorized, Mm, (laughs) but she just, you know, in front of people, she was used to letting you and Quinn just kind of do it, take care of the, in front of people thing. And then, you know, all of a sudden, it was her turn because she was old enough and she would rather just stand in the sidelines because that's more a <laughs> personality on some things, you know, mm-hmm. on other and, things though. She's like, Nope, we're doing this. Let's go. And she is yeah. the line driver. Exactly. She's the control freak of everything. <laughs> so she absolutely overcame that, but it's because I said, that's what we're going to do. Sorry. You can't just be like this. You can't be shy all the time. Cause that's actually selfish and it's controlling to, sh- to be shy. And, and she was like, okay, you know, and so we learned how to do it anyway. Okay. So step out of your comfort zone, lip dub drama games, super fun, super fun. Okay. So here on the teaching self-government podcast, we look at all of our topics through the lens of self-government. And today is no exception. We're going to be looking through, through the lens of self-government at the topic of mental health and how to help other people struggle with some, no, not struggle. We don't want to help them struggle. We want to help help them who are struggling, who are struggling. Yes. Help those loved ones that we have, those friends and, and family members who might be struggling with mental health issues. They need some understanding, but they also need someone to help move them forward to step out of their comfort zones, right? Because that could be where they're stuck is in a comfort zone. So Paige, explain to us what is self-government? So our definition of self-government is being able to determine the cause and effect of any given situation and possessing a knowledge of your own behaviors so that you can control them. Yeah. And it's so powerful. It is so liberating when you analyze yourself and you can make a change. And, and one thing I want to say is that oftentimes when a, when someone who's struggling with a mental health problem feels stuck or, or feels like they got stuck, it's oftentimes because they do not feel like that they have enough control over what's going on, or they don't know how to make things change because they haven't analyzed enough stuff. They haven't problem solved enough things, or they don't see how, what they know about problem solving can apply to a situation. And so truly it is the process when a person is dealing with mental health concerns, it is the process of self-government that is going to help them the very most, which means they need to see the truth of all of it. So just to kind of set the stage here, I just want you to know that um, my mother struggled with mental health problems. So she had depression and she definitely would get more anxious about things. Stress was a big part of growing up. Um, Grandma's, no, it wasn't, it was your grandma page, my mom's mom's stress. And it wasn't fun, you know, to be around. 
And I have to say that as a young person, I wasn't mature enough or definitely didn't have enough uh, charity or compassion to fully understand what mom was going through. And so I definitely was not as supportive. I felt like it was a drain on the family, that it was an inconvenience. And I think a lot of people have a tendency to feel that way about mental health issues, but we've got to remember to definitely have compassion and have understanding with what's going on. And I'm so glad to say that I've had experiences that have helped me be more compassionate and understanding, including having some of my own uh, mental health crises that I've had to go through, which many people probably don't even think Nicolene Peck has ever had a problem. No, no, I, I, we, well, how else do you get it- so good at, you know, advice? these things. You got to experience it to some degree. Yeah. You got to go through some things and, and see what you learn along the way. Um, anyway, so yeah, I mean, I've had some of my own problems and so I've learned a lot over the years and I've learned a lot about my lack of understanding too. Right. And worked really hard there. And I am grateful that I got to do treatment foster care. So for years I did treatment foster care for troubled teens Paige, when you were just a little one Mm -hmm. and And I'm glad I got the opportunity to be so closely connected with those youth that came to my home who almost all of them had mental health issues that they were dealing with. Not everyone, but the majority did. And, you know, when you're day in, day out trying to help someone be motivated to manage the mental health stuff. You know, that's, that's like a whole different side of it that a lot of people don't see. And I was in that zone for many years with a lot of people trying to help them manage things. And so that's why I wanted to talk about today is some of the things that I learned along the way, but Paige, I know that also you have spent time you know, working with people just like I have, parents, possibly uh, spouses, where they've talked to you about some of the concerns that they have with their spouses, maybe with their children and some of the things they're dealing with. So how about you just tell me some of the kinds of things that we hear on a regular basis? Yeah. So there have been uh, multiple people who have told me, you know, you know, my spouse, they struggle with this. They have a hard time um, you know, accepting that maybe they did something wrong. Um, they overthink things, they hyperanalyze and, you know, it just kind of sends them into a spiral or, um, another one is, Hey, you know, my spouse, they really suffer with depression, which makes them not really, you know, with the family, they're not really available mentally and emotionally. And that makes it really hard because not only, um, Um, you know, me, the other spouse working with the children and making sure that they learn the things they need to, but I'm also, um, you know, managing what's happening with my spouse. And so it's, you know, kind of double duty and, um, you know, they'll, they'll ask me kind of what tips that I might have for them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes it can be really hard because each, each situation is, is different and needs, you know, individualized, um, help and consideration. And so, but it's, it's really, it's kind of touchy subject that a lot of people, it it takes a minute to open up about, you know, um, and it's something that really is important to them to figure out. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. 
Super true. And, and it's hard. And like you're mentioning, sometimes one person having mental health problems like clinical depression, which is totally different than just your run of the mill depression. I mean, anyone can have a bad day, right. And a bad moment or a bad month, um, you know, go through something really, really hard and that's depression. That's more situational, Mm -hmm. but, um, there's definitely, people who struggle with clinical depression, which is a totally different beast, honestly, that they're dealing with. And when somebody's struggling with that and they just kind of check out regularly and they go into their own self zone because they're in their own head and in their own emotions, then it can actually create a domino effect of mental health issues for everyone. So then you have a spouse who is carrying such a heavy load that they start wearing out and getting overstressed and alone and abandoned and not valued, just like the other person is probably feeling. So it's like this huge domino that really does create a massive. And then if both parents, you know, just kind of crash under that pressure, then the kids are kind of left high and dry. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So true. So let's talk about what to do about this. So we've got a lot of people who struggle with things. There's things like depression, anxiety, stress, perfectionism, self-loathing, even sometimes it gets to suicidal tendencies. And I know there are a lot of people who are worried about suicide and about people mentioning it, people that they love mentioning it and talking Mm -hmm. about how they're ideating about that kind of thing. And there are so many reasons I've got to tell you why this happens. In fact, we could probably spend an entire time talking about that, but we can't, um, this time, but the digital world is involved in it. Okay. The therapeutic world, uh, there has been some things therapeutically that I feel like, uh, as from, you know, just looking on and seeing how things worked with foster children that are missing the mark. Um, you know, something's good, something's bad that can happen because a lot of it's hypothesis based. And so we got to remember that. Um, also socially, uh, people do not feel like they can advise each other or help each other anymore. And other people also seriously don't even ask for help. And then we've got people whose lives are just way too easy and convenient. And so they struggle under any amount of little bit of pressure, um, or a hard thing, people that aren't used to stepping out of their comfort zone because too many things have been done for them. So kind of like this coddling of society that has happened, which is really difficult. I mean, there's just so many things. There's also can be broken relationships, damaged relationships. There can be um, like processing differences or difficulties. There can be genetic problems. I mean, there are so many things and factors that can come into why a person would be experiencing some of these things that we just listed in that big laundry list. And But those things, usually there's a combination of a bunch of those things that end up leading a person to start ideating about suicide and suicidal you know, having those tendencies to go in that direction. And so we do need to be aware of what's going on with mental health, with ourselves and with the people around us so that we don't get to a place where all these factors are compounding. Right. And then we start getting so drastic in our thoughts and in our decisions. Mm And I I think a lot of it is, you know, when you, when you get into hard situations, if you don't have all the skills that you need, especially the the mental skills for how you're going to think about things, it Mm -hmm. can be, you know, relatively easy to start going down that road instead of saying, Mm -hmm. you know what, I've got this, these are the skills that I have under my belt. 
okay, how are we going to use these? Perfect. Let's make a plan. Exactly. And so skill development or lack of is actually one big contributing factor. So I'm glad you brought that up. It's huge because if people don't know how to handle what's going on inside them or even understand really how they process on just a basic level. Or to step away and analyze it. Yeah. Then they are going to struggle every single time. So let's talk about what kinds of things that we can do. Um, so the very first thing that, and I always bring, I always think it's important to bring truth into the light. Okay. And so a lot of times when somebody is over-processing in a very toxic way, a way that could hurt them, be detrimental, usually they're hyper-focusing on something that is inaccurate. Uh, it's a lie possibly something that they've chosen to believe that doesn't have a good base. And so that's one of the things that gets them really stuck, you know, in that place. And so it's always good to bring things into the light, bring things into a place of truth. And one of the biggest truths, the most vital truths that we can focus on is who we are. And I know that seems like so basic, like incredibly basic, but much of the confusion that we experience in our lives actually comes from simply not understanding who we are. And I That's feel like kind of simple if you think about it, but it's super deep at the same time. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. It seems simplistic, but it's a hundred percent true. That was said by Dieter Uchtdorf. Actually, I'm quoting somebody on that one. (laughs) So, um, and it's true. It's a hundred percent true because if you think about it, when you start getting totally obsessed with, um, the wrong kinds of things and and start making the wrong things, your identity, this is what throws you all off track. But when you focus on real identity, this is what gives you the greatest purpose and peace in your life. So let's talk about the difference between true identity, which can be, can give us healing, can give us focus. And then what, what is fake identity? What identity is not? Because I think we've gotten off track as a society. And this is why so many people are even more confused than ever before. So identity is not, okay. This is the list of what it's not. It's not your race. It's not your religion. It's not your occupation. It's not what you like or what you dislike. It's not your political party. It's not your hobbies. It's not your grades, your popularity, your financial status, whether you're broke or rich. That is not your identity. That is not what makes you, you actually. What makes you, you is a more intrinsic, uh, everlasting, more of an eternal type quality that you have. And this is your, your worth Okay. Your worth as a human being. And many people, when I say worth immediately go immediately go power dollar signs, (laughs) you know, power dollar (laughs) signs, popularity. No, those aren't, that's just random, like social qualities. Yeah. But it's not true worth. So worth goes back to where we came from. So for me, this always goes back to a spiritual thing. And I've got to say that when we're talking about mental health issues, we really are talking not just about a person having a a mental or physical deficit, but oftentimes they're struggling with some spiritual skills as well. Not always, but sometimes. Mm -hmm. And And by focusing on the spiritual elements of their lives and by, and beefing up spiritual things, it actually has the 
power to improve the mental and physical as well. And so people do not always make those connections. I think people try to go from just one element of medical. So back in the day, and I'm talking the day, the day we're talking old, (laughs) a long time ago. Okay. People hooked the spiritual and the moral and the physical as far as health wise, all together in one package, this was very mm-hmm. common. We're talking like 1600s, 1700s, 1800s. People would be like, Oh, whoa, we've got a problem going on here. We need to do like an exorcism here. You know, like, I mean, so <laughs> I mean, they would hook those things together. Like, wait a minute, where can we help this person spiritually? I don't know why we've left that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, and, and we're bringing in some new spiritual stuff where people are trying to go spiritual and not do any physical. They're not connecting correctly. Yeah. But I don't know why we ever, where we ever kind of like dismissed God out of it. I think we got so scientific that we forgot that there's also a spiritual element to our well being. Mm-hmm. Okay. And every person has a spiritual element anyway. Like, yeah. obviously, you know, even if a lot of times when the body is struggling, the physical body, it a lot of times has something to do with, um, our spiritual self as well. Now I know, you know, not everyone is religious, but for us, you know, a lot of our base worth, we is, you know, there's a religious base there for us, mm-hmm. um, especially as Christians. So, um, but you're right. A lot of people have, um, disregarded that and they focus on, um, you know, medical, you know, what's happening there and okay. What drugs can we prescribe to, you know, make your body function better, but yeah. the, the mind, the spirit and the body are all, uh, they're all one. Connected. That's the soul. That's all of it. Right. All together. Yeah. My soul is all those. So things. you have to address all three. Yeah, exactly. Because they're interconnected. And if your spiritual self is off or chasing down the wrong path, you're going to struggle. There's going to be problems. And the thing is, is we got to be really careful, right? Because we can't say, well, just because you're having a physical problem, (laughs) you must also have a spiritual problem. We are not saying that. Like Like if you have a cold, Oh, have you been reading your scriptures? You know, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. We are not saying that at all. Okay. We're not going back to, because there were in the, in the back in the day, day, right? Like there were a few hooky things that people yeah. believed, right? But, but we're saying it's a major contributor, but what? Okay. So I just want to say the word prayer. Okay. Prayer. So when like when a person of faith and we're talking all the major religions in the world, there is prayer. Okay. That's part of all of the major religions. There's, there's, uh, oblations that are, are paid to God through prayer. There's conversations with God through prayer. This is a key thing. And this is bringing God into the day to day. This has always happened. Okay from the beginning of recorded history, at least that we know, this has always happened that people have used that as a base to help with their problems. Mm -hmm. But what we're saying is let's not leave that behind. Okay. So our base of our identity really goes back to our worth, which is really who we are. And when we're talking about the spiritual, also why we are, Oh, whoa. Yeah. That's a whole other thing, but yeah. Oh, I know, but that's, you know, that's part of who we are. Totally. If, if we don't have a why, then, you know, it's really hard to say who we are. Totally. And I know that there's people all over that are searching for that. And, and, 
Wow. That's like a whole other, but, <laughs> sorry, sorry to um, open no, that. that no, can, that's but. deep. I love that because it's true. It's true. Understand why are we here? Where are we going? What's all this about? You know, like mm-hmm. how come I'm even me, you know, and it's not just like chromosomal necessarily and DNA, which is part of it because there's an order to everything. But for me and you Paige, when we think of who we really are, we know we're children of God. I mean, I was raised with that. You were raised with that. Um, and that's huge, right? He made us, he loves us. He's there for us. He knows our infinite potential. Yeah. Which I think that that last part is something that the world lacks. Exactly. Because think of how much security you gain by that. You may be having a hard day. Oh, I'm penniless, you know, or whatever it is. Okay. You you may be having a hard time. Oh, Paige, you're in a a rough stage. You got full-time class load. You're, you're mentoring people and doing stuff for teaching self-government. You're a mom of a new baby. You got all this stuff happening, right? That's a lot. You could choose to get overwhelmed by it, or you could say, wow, look at the faith God has in me. He knows Mm -hmm. I can do a lot more than I even think I can. I'm going to just go to him and ask for some help. And here I go. So now we have this faith piece that comes in where you get to tap into some of that potential that, you know, he knows that you don't even fully get yet. Right. Yeah. Which is huge. So, um, obviously this channel is not about promoting a particular kind of faith, but we're not going to lie to you about our faith. Right. (laughs) I mean, we're going to be straight up about who we are and we definitely were Christians. We believe in God, Jesus Christ is our savior and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But, um, I do want to say that that is a base for worth for most people. Mm -hmm. And if someone is actually missing that piece, then they are out of touch sometimes with a whole section of themselves. Like, why can't I get this spiritual side of me to feel like I'm okay? You know, what, how come I feel so weird in this internal way that I even have a hard time describing? Yeah. Like bad energies. Yeah. People will say energies, don't they? That's what they say. Yeah. And that's a way where they describe it. Yeah. Anyway, so that's, that's one big piece. Okay. Yeah, but so- I think it's, it's important to know that that plays into things because, you know, if that for us is a big part of our identity, if that's where learning about who we are comes from, then, you know, it, it gives us a direction to go mm-hmm. towards, mm-hmm. you know, we, we learn all these things about who we are and, you know, why we're here and why we're, you know, learning all these things and, because of those things, we start to understand, okay, well, maybe this is kind of what I want to do with my life based off of what I know. You know, I know for us, this TSG stuff is definitely like a life mission. And we know it is because, you know, part of our our identity and our learning and teaching is that, you know, families are supposed to be strong and they're Mm -hmm. supposed to be united. And so, you know, because we have these skills, it gives us a direction, you know, obviously we have to come up with the plan ourselves. Um, and we can, you know, figure that out, but it's that direction is there. Mm -hmm. Totally. So identity offers a course to direct us. It points us in the right direction. Mm -hmm. That is huge. It's enormous because if we know which way we're headed, if we know, um, the, the source of 
truth we're headed toward, then that offers us all kinds of peace. We can then have faith in that because guess what? Here's the deal. Whether you believe in God or not, you are having faith in something. Okay. Whether it's God, whether it's science, whether whether it's your neighbor, whether it's your boyfriend, you know, whatever. Okay. (laughs) You're having faith that that's your solution. Okay. And so faith is a big part of keeping ourselves on an even keel. So if we can remember that, if we can remember who that person is that we're working with, okay. Our spouse, our child, our friend, who are they? Okay. If we can help them understand that. And and if we can see that with them, that helps us be able to see them through a different lens. Yeah. And I think it's important to note that faith is like, cause that's a really broad topic, right? Um, but faith, faith is hoping for things which are not seen, but which are true. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's really important to understand. Cause I mean, you know, we're, we're super big on truth and making sure that that's out there. Right. Cause truth is eternal. It doesn't ever change. Um, and so I think it's really important to know that faith is, you know, hoping for those things, you know, which we can't necessarily see, but that we know are true mm-hmm. and going towards those things. So let's talk about some of those truths. Okay. Some of those self-evident truths. So, um, I am a girl. Okay. Wow. Self evident. <laughs> it is like, I, there's no disputing that one. Actually, that's a full on truth. Okay. Also I had children. So I'm a mother self evident. I now have a grandbaby. I'm a grandmother. Oh, it's so probably exciting. one of your more favorite ones. <laughs> yeah. Right now. I just really like that one. Anyway. Um, self-evident. I married, I'm a spouse, Mm -hmm. self-evident. So I also believe in God, right? So I'm a child of God, self-evident. Okay. So if I point myself toward God, motherhood, grandmotherhood, being a wife, becoming a better mother, all of those things, if I point myself toward any of those things, I am heading in a direction that is going to lead to my potential and my fulfillment because those things are truths that I already know about myself. So as we point ourselves toward the things we already know, things get better. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I think we're not that saying that like there won't be challenges, right? Of course, but overall but on, in the big say- picture. Yeah. But the thing is, is anything else. Okay. So if I, let's say husband and wife relationship, this one can create more contention than any other relationship. Okay. Sure. Let's say husband and wife. All right. So let's say that my husband does something that's rude. Okay. Let's just pretend that that could happen. I mean, it has happened before. <laughs> okay. So let's just pretend he, he does or says something that's rude. Okay. At that point, do I go toward, Oh, that was so rude. I am so offended. Or is he right? Am I that bad? Am I? Okay. If I go to any one of those, they lead to emotions. Okay. One is anger. One is offense. Okay. And both of those are me focusing on myself, 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 how Mm -hmm. I feel, all that kind of stuff. And, and this is not going to be fulfilling. It's going to hurt me in the end. It does not give me any additional purpose to feel this way. Okay. So ultimately I'm, I'm technically holding on to something that draws me away from who I am. But if instead I said, when he said something rude, I said inside my head, 
whoa, that type of a statement is kind of rude. Is it actually true? Is it accurate? You know, I think the accurate thing is probably this statement. Probably another accurate thing would be that I think right now he's probably having a bad day. Maybe he's even hungry. Um, <laughs> you know, let's, let's just not even take that one personally. Let's not even care. We can talk about it a little bit later when we've got some food in the system. But let's not go there with this, right? So I can. I love sudden- the whole difference, though, because you're thinking about him. You're giving him the benefit of the doubt, and you're also analyzing. Okay, maybe he didn't mean it, but you're thinking about him. You're not thinking about yourself. Well, I'm thinking about the fact that I'm a spouse mm-hmm. and that he's my husband. You're thinking about these my spouse. Yeah. Now I know that there's somebody listening right now and they're saying, yeah, but you could just become a doormat and let somebody walk all over you and your spouse <laughs> could treat you so bad. Analyzing and is never, different never, never, than being passive. Okay. So let's just address that one really, really fast. Obviously, if someone is mistreating you on a regular basis, it's likely abuse. Okay. But if one person has a minute where they say something ignorant or rude or something, well, each person could have a bad minute where they do that. And when it comes to your spouse, you can't treat them like, you know, you're the queen and they have to please you all the time. Right. And so And so what do you do? You have to go, wait a minute, I'm married to that person. What do I do for that relationship to help it out? So that points me back toward the marriage, which is a self-evident truth Mm -hmm. instead of pointing toward myself, you know, obviously if there's boundary lines that are being crossed all the time and we've crossed into the realm of abuse, then we've, then we've reached a a time where a person has to draw different lines and and maybe even get out or, or, or have some more intensive treatment, right. Right. That's going to happen to help that, that relationship. But anyway, um, let's keep ourselves pointed toward the self-evident truths, the things we know about ourselves. And for me, I'm constantly pointing toward God. Um, if it, if whatever I do or think leads me back toward being more charitable, the principles that God would have me live, then I usually know that I'm going in the right direction. And I usually have happiness and a sense of purpose and fulfillment, even if it was a hard, hard minute. So how does this help the other people? Well, we've got to talk about some of these things with them so that they understand how important understanding who they are is. Mm-hmm. And that might be a place that we start. Well, okay. If we don't have the religious thing going on, maybe they're not open to it, but let's go back to some of those other self-evident things that you know about yourself. And, and either we're going toward magnifying who we are in those roles, or we are just focusing on ourselves and thinking about what everybody else is doing to us. I mean, really, those are the options. And so if we can help the person understand that, then maybe they can make a brain shift, which is really what we're going to try. I mean, what, that's what we're hoping for when somebody's struggling is that Mm -hmm. we can help them have a brain shift. The one thing we need to know is it's their choice. Okay. So when they have a problem, when they have a problem, then we have to make sure that we are really good at listening to them. Yeah. And that comes in many different forms too. So it's not just, you know, being physically present with nothing in your ears, you know, but it's, it's really being mentally and emotionally available and showing compassion and acknowledging, you know, that people are frustrated and that they're having certain feelings, um, and offering truths with good intentions when that person is ready, which is key because you can't always offer advice until they're ready. Mm -hmm. You have to make sure it's in the right moment. I remember you telling me, um, 
about a time when, you know, you had finished foster care and dad was like, whew, good. I don't have to do those TSG principles anymore. You don't have to do those skills, you know, and he just kept getting more and more frustrated as time went on. And about two years later, you know, he sat down and he was just in a huff and he's like, Ugh, why won't they listen to me? Why won't our kids listen to me? You know, and you knew, okay, this is the time, mm-hmm. you know? And so you had to wait a little bit and you were always there to be compassionate for him and to acknowledge that he was feeling frustrated, but you, you realized that it was the time to say, well, this, this is what's happening. And this is what, you know, the system that they're using. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and after that he was, you know, hundred percent all in, but you know, it took, a period of time where he wasn't and where, you know, there was a bit of frustration probably on both ends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know probably on some of our end too. <laughs> I mean, I was kind of young. I don't quite oh, remember for but... sure on your end. You're cause you would come to me and be like, how come dad, he just gets angry when, you know? Oh yeah, no, yeah. definitely. There was that, that happened, you know? And, and it was hard because I wanted to just correct him and be like, listen, you, if you just did it this way, you know, <laughs> Um, and there were times where I tried to have talks with him, but he wasn't, he didn't want to hear it. He didn't want he wasn't to change. mentally ready. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's something that I struggled with too. Not necessarily when it came to like parenting or anything, but, um, you know, there, there's been a long time where I wasn't necessarily happy with my, with my body. You know, it was just I'm like, okay, I need to lose weight. I need to get more fit. It wasn't like I wasn't confident in myself. Cause I definitely am. I'm comfortable in my own skin, but I'm like, you know, in order to fulfill my role as a mother and really be there physically for my daughter, I need to change some things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I definitely am a fan of my Reese's peanut butter cups and <laughs> my ice cream. And, <laughs> and so it finally, I had to have a brain change, you know, and watching you and your weight loss stuff. Um, you know, you were like, Hey, you, you do this together. And I'm like, Oh yeah, sure. You know, that'd be great. You know, not really, I wasn't ready, you know? And then mm-hmm. finally there was just one day, it was just a slight shift where I thought, you know, I need to be better for my daughter. And it wasn't even necessarily a big moment, but it was at that point where I said, came okay, mom, I'm ready. Tell me what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And you know, that was almost a month ago. And I've still been very consistent because I have my why, you know, and it's, it's mm-hmm. something that I've made up my mind to do. Mm-hmm. And we have to recognize that everybody comes to stuff on their own time, yeah. you know? And so patience is a big thing. We mm-hmm. have to have patience with people as they're going through and ourselves, some of their, some of their, Oh yeah. Especially and ourselves too. Well, well even if other people, have days. you know, we have to be patient with ourselves and saying, okay, it's not the time we can't get angry at them because we haven't been able to share anything with them. So mm-hmm. just patience all around, but you know, mm-hmm. and with ourselves when we struggle too. Yeah. Well, and this is why the calmness is so incredibly important. And we talk so much about calmness and trying to get to that place where you truly can surrender to calmness, where you can say, I'm giving myself for calmness here because I'm going to focus on who they are, who I am, and that we're heading in a good direction. Even if it's not a perfect day right now, I'm going to stop thinking I have to control everybody. I'm going to let them have control over their choices, but I am going to make sure that I lead us in a way that maintains that spiritual truth bit that we need to hold on to. And the calmness and calmness actually goes to that. So yeah, sometimes we got to wait. That's hard, 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 hard. Okay. Okay, so 
Let's talk quickly. Now I have a whole entire training. It was like a three hour training called the value and mastery of emotions. You can definitely go and see that at teachingselfgovernment.com. And I highly recommend it because there's a lot of information there. That's going to help you understand emotions, thoughts, feelings, all that kind of stuff, but just a couple of little things. Okay. And we're going to just talk about a few little things. So one of those is that first you have feelings. Okay. And then after you have feelings comes the thoughts. And then after you make the thoughts, then comes the emotions, which is the way that those emotions lead to the actions. Okay. Yeah. That's how we deal with those feelings. Exactly. So keeping all of that in mind, which is the place that you have the most control over positive outcomes. It is the thoughts, the thoughts. Okay. So When I did treatment foster care, I was constantly talking to the youth who were coming to my home about what thoughts they were having and how we could change their thoughts. Little did I know at the time that I was actually doing something that was called cognitive behavioral therapy. In fact, part of teaching self-government doves, I mean, teaching self-government as a whole dovetails perfectly into cognitive behavioral therapy. In fact, it adds a ton more because you're also getting tons of pieces on the role and the calmness and skill sets that you can hold on to so that you don't fall into faulty thoughts. Now, here's the part that the family isn't, or the loved one isn't always ready for. Okay. So especially if we're talking spouse here, they're not Mm -hmm. always ready for you to say, so your thoughts are bad. You know, I mean, (laughs) they're just not, they're not like open always to that. You gotta be, have a little more tact. Yeah. And so, and the timing is important. So, but if, if they're, if they know you understand and that you have compassion and that you're not judging and that you really truly have their best interest at heart. And so there's deep love there that you want to help them through something. Then there's a place where you can make suggestions. Okay. So when a person is in an emotional state, they need gentle instruction where you say, go get calm. That's Mm -hmm. a gentle instruction, right? How about you just sit over there and get calm? Let me know when you're ready. Then when they're in an emotional state, they actually need instruction, just gentle instruction. Well, because usually when you're in your emotions, your logic has kind of flown out the window. Totally flown out the window, especially if you're all the way back brain. Okay. When you're in a more logical state, then a person is ready for good suggestions. Okay. So when a person is in a logical state, you can discuss, this is how the brain works. And we have the feelings and then the thoughts and then the emotions that lead to the actions. And here we go. So you can talk about all of those things. And then you can talk about what are productive thoughts and what are non-productive thoughts. Okay. And so, and, and this is sometimes you hear me say productive emotions, non-productive emotions. Well, those productive emotions or non-productive emotions are things that come from thoughts that would be non-productive or productive. And, and some people will use the terms accurate or inaccurate because oftentimes those non-productive thoughts that lead to non-productive emotions, like anger, that's a non-productive emotion. Okay. Then, or, you know, like rage or whatever. Okay. (laughs) Addiction, you know, craving and stuff. Okay. All those kinds of things would be non-productive. They usually come from an inaccurate or non-productive thought. So an inaccurate thought that's going to lead to a person indulging in an addiction, as far as the way they're emoting is I have to, I have to have that. I can't, I can't move on without it. I I need it or or I won't feel right. Or, you know, Mm -hmm. that's inaccurate. Not true not true. I have to. Okay. So what would be an accurate thought? The accurate thought would be, 
when I engage in that behavior, it pacifies a craving, but it doesn't help me solve a problem. Yeah. And so that would be accurate. Well, so and then that, what those what types of thoughts really take, you know, analyzation. You have to really step back from the issue mm-hmm. and put emotions aside and say, oh, wow, okay, so let's look at this. So this is what I felt. This is what I thought. This is what happened. Why did I do that? Mm-hmm. Now, you if you know, and a lot things, of people don't do that for sure. And they don't understand what types of things to look for, to recognize mm-hmm. if their thoughts are inaccurate. So I'm going to give you a few ideas of some things that you can look for to try to recognize if your thoughts are inaccurate. So, and these are just, um, cognitive behavioral therapy things, um, within that realm of therapy, these have been identified and truly, I think they're just genius. Um, so, uh, magnification, that's one like exaggerating your weaknesses and comparing them to other people's strengths. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, I barely cook dinner for my family. And when I do, it's nothing compared to her dinners that she cooks for her family. Right. So we're saying, Oh, so-and-so is the master cook and, and I'm just nothing. It's horrible. Right. (laughs) So, you know, seeing ourselves through somebody else's strength magnification, that's really off awful, um, emotional reasoning. So judging a situation based on how you feel. Okay. So, you know, saying something like, um, you know, I, I feel lonely, so I must have no friends. No, anyone can feel lonely. Like Mm -hmm. anyone can feel lonely at any time. That does not mean you don't have, I felt lonely and I'm a very confident social person. Anyone can, everyone goes through that and they have to know how to handle it. Right. Um, or I feel guilty. So I must be a bad person, right. Or something (laughs) like that. This emotional reason that leaves you to make irrational thinking patterns, or what about stuff that's like uh, jumping to conclusions, you know, interpreting other people's thoughts and assuming the worst possible outcome. So, oh, I bet those people are laughing. I bet they're laughing at me. Are they, do you really know they are like, did you try to get people to laugh at you? (laughs) Do they even see you there? Like, (laughs) or are they just, I mean, I remember one time there was a person who came up to me, she was doing something with her child in the same room where I was talking to one of my foster daughters and we were just talking and just laughing that she was in the same room. And she's like, you know, I don't appreciate you guys laughing at me. And I was like, what? Wait, what? Like, I didn't even, I wasn't paying any attention to you at all, you know, but she immediately jumped to conclusions. She was in the room. She was the only other person in the room and she was doing something that she felt maybe not confident in. And so she assumed we were laughing at her and we weren't interesting. Yeah. Huge, huge thought processes there that are going off. That's very inaccurate. Um, all or nothing statements. I usually call these like absolutes, right? Oh, you always or never. Yeah. Oh, I always do this. I never have that happen to me. I never win. I always lose. I always say the wrong thing. Uh, No one ever wants to do anything with me. You know, these types of statements are inaccurate thinking patterns, inaccurate, and they lead to you feeling awful about yourself. They lead to you beating yourself up, creating more stress, And thinking that you are worthless. So they actually attack your identity. They attack your identity. This is huge. Here's another one. Mislabeling. Okay. So, oh, my boyfriend dumped me. So I guess, you know, boys don't like me. I'm not good enough for him. 
what? Or he wasn't the right one for you. And that's just it. You know, I mean, or would another one be like, oh, I have ADHD, so I can't do that. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Like giving yourself an excuse. Cause so excuse making is going to be inaccurate thinking. Um, but yeah, saying I can't, I can't try because I have this. Yeah. That would be mislabeling Uh, or people don't like me because I have this. That would be, well, actually that's probably even more jumping to conclusions. You see, they overlap with each other. (laughs) Um, there's a lot of, um, um, discounting any positives that could happen, only focusing on the negative, rejecting all positive statements Mm -hmm. or experiences because you don't feel like they count. Like, well, it doesn't matter that, you know, I made a good breakfast, my dinner burned. So I'm a horrible cook, you know? Like it doesn't matter if I've had any successes in my past. I will not count those because this one failure is now so glaring in my mind that I know I'm a mess. Right. Anyway, these are just a few things. There's so many, you could look up some of these inaccurate thinking patterns and, um, I'm sure you would find some insight there, but when a person is in a logical place and they are ready for some good suggestions, some gentle, good suggestions for you say, let's take a look at our thinking patterns here. Let's see, right? What's going on and what types of, so what thought do you have? Like if I, you know, don't squeeze the tube of toothpaste from the right place. Okay. What is it that goes through your head when I do that? Okay. So if that's your thought, is it accurate? And so, you know, maybe the thought is she doesn't care about me. That is jumping to conclusions. It could just be that I have a habit of how to squeeze the toothpaste. That has nothing to do with how I think about my husband at all, period. And so, you know, that's one of those things that you say, what's the, what do you think? Okay. Let's see if we can make a more accurate statement there. Right. And so if you can help the person understand where they keep getting trapped up all the better. Now, obviously squeezing a tube of toothpaste, like whatever, that's not like any major thing. So if you want to switch it out, go ahead. But I just wanted to bring that up as a very common thing that maybe the couples would be fighting over. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's lovingly talk about how to analyze our thoughts with the person that we love, our spouse, maybe, or our friend or whatever, and then do some deliberate assessment of our thoughts. Okay. Well, what is it that we do and how can we make a change? That's huge. Okay. That's huge. So There are things that we also could suggest to a person for what they could do. Okay. So I actually have read, there's a great book called the how of happiness. There's a whole list of things in there in the how of happiness. There's another list um, that's in an emotional resilience book that I've recently been reading from my church, which has been amazing. And And there are so many lists of things that you can do. People who have studied mental health, therapists, psychologists, they know what improves mental health and they can give you a list of these things. So one of them, like number one, talk to God. (laughs) This helps your, this helps your health. Why? Because it brings in the spiritual, it brings in your identity. It brings in a relationship. Boom. I have a connection with God now because I help someone to to carry your burden. You can yoke yourself to, to help with your burden. Yeah, exactly. So that's like the number one thing that you can do. Talk to God. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. All the more reason that really nurturing the spiritual with your children and helping them understand how God feels about them. 
That is so important. So very important. Taking time to meditate or to ponder, to read and to think, to write things down in a journal, taking a break from a task that seems to be overwhelming you. This is going to be huge. Exercising. Um, or maybe even just being able to identify some of your little trigger thoughts that you get. So you can tell yourself, stop. That was one of my triggers. What can I do here? You know, focusing on gratitude, focusing on serving other people, going out and going for a walk, right. Doing a workout video, um, maybe being kind to yourself a little bit. I know Paige, you're staying away from all the ice cream and Reese's, but like every (laughs) once in a while, if you want to have a little treat, that's okay. Or if every once in a while, you're like, I want to just take a nice bath. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just, ah, just a hot shower or something. Right. Another thing that's a huge factor is staying connected to friends and family. So talking to people, real people, okay, face-to-face, hearing their voices, seeing their faces instead of just the text. Obviously, the text is going to be helpful, but it's so short-lived compared to the real fulfillment that comes from hugging a person, from talking Mm -hmm. to a person, you know, those kinds of things. So being open to um, connecting with other people and touching other people, knowing how you relax. How do you get calm? Is it digging in the yard outside? Is it singing songs, playing music? I know Paige for you playing music is huge. Yeah. You know, just I used to bang out my frustrations on the piano. (laughs) Uh, Just okay. I'm going to go to that piano. Right. It's huge. Those things for us. Another one is to practice mindfulness, right? So thinking of You just being calm, focusing on your head being calm, your face being calm, your body being calm, focusing on letting something go on purpose. That's all part of being mindful. So you can help the person. You can give them a list of a lot of these things and say, so what would be best for you? What would work well for you? You know, that would be awesome. And of course, Paige, we have some skills that we teach in the teaching self-government system that really lead into what you can do when you're struggling with a mental health issue. Or if someone knows these skills, oh my goodness, they can start applying them or you can remind them of these skills. So talk to me about what these skills are. Yeah. So something that we teach lots of people, it's kind of some of the first things that we ever teach um, is what we call the four basic skills. And one of those is learning to accept no answers. Uh, and criticism, which could be contributing to mental health things, um, but also accepting consequences. So those are two of our four basic skills. Um, but one of the biggest parts, one of the biggest steps to accepting a no answer is dropping the subject, which means you don't think about it. You don't obsess over it. You don't keep talking about it. Um, something like that. Now that's not to say that, you know, maybe you mentioned you're struggling once and then you're like, oh, I already talked about it. I can't talk about it anymore. No, that's not what we're saying. Because if you need help, then that's something that you need to bring up. Sometimes you do need help. Sometimes you have to make a plan for the person. Okay. Listen, if you get to the point where you feel like you are trapped, you are stuck, you cannot drop a subject. You cannot, you cannot, you know, you don't even see yourself being able to endure in this boy, you need to ask for help. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, that's what people are there for, for sure. Right. That that's important, but most things can be handled with a little bit of endurance and some skills Mm -hmm. like dropping the subject and a buddy to help you along with it. Who knows those skills too. 
Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, learning to be able to drop the subject, meaning, you know, if, if you have a set of skills and you're working on it, but you know, maybe you slip up or maybe you're just, you don't quite have the hang of it yet. Mm-hmm. That's okay. That's, you know, you just have to say, that's okay. We're not going to think about it. We're going to mm-hmm. keep moving forward and it's in the past. That's it. Yeah. And that's yeah. really what dropping the subject is. Mm-hmm. It's so huge. So huge. So we have spent a ton of time talking now about mental health issues and we have scratched the surface just <laughs> barely. Yeah. So if you want more along the lines of this discussion, definitely look up my training called the value and mastery of emotions. I also have a lot, and that's a teaching self-government.com. I also have a lot of YouTube videos about emotions and about some different mental health things. So definitely look into those things as well, but we will talk to you again next time on the teaching self-government podcast. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. For more information and resources to help unite your family, visit teachingselfgovernment.com.